Jamie Lewis, and this is Consumed, a podcast where eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers can get real. Thanks for joining me. Consumed is sponsored in part by Slow Life magazine. Over the past several years, I've written the food column for Slow Life, and I've covered many, many different restaurants and dishes here in Slow County. Some of my favorite subjects have been fried chicken, educational dining, and I even recently wrote about the free bread at three different local eateries. Slow Life is much more, though, so get your hands on a copy every other month. To find out how, visit slowlifemagazine.com. Jacob and Brooke Town own and operate the spoon trade in Grover Beach. Jacob as chef, and Brooke as front-of-house manager and wine director. They also own Grover Beach Sourdough, just across the street, which produces intensely local and locally yeasted breads plus biscuits, cookies, cakes, and more. For a decade, Brooke and Jacob worked in extremely high-end restaurants in San Francisco, including Nopa, RN74, Rubicon, and Spruce. But the idea to open their own place, back home on the Central Coast, compelled them to leave the security of well-paying, insurance-providing jobs. Though the road hasn't always been easy, Jacob's elevated American food and Brooke's legendary hospitality have already made the spoon trade a Central Coast classic in the five years since it opened. We talked about consumers' perception of value versus real value, the beauty of American cuisine, and about Jacob and Brooke's road trip across America in a 1966 Volkswagen microbus named Nemo which you can read about at drivingnemo.wordpress.com. And yes, we talked about the Spoon Trade's famous fried chicken and waffles. Plus, Brooke and I reminisced about being cheerleaders together in high school. True story. I can promise you'll enjoy this. Here are Jacob and Brooke Town. I'm so happy to have you guys here. Thanks Yay. for coming. Cool. So glad to be here. Your yeah. house is beautiful. Yeah. I'm jealous you. of your plants. Yeah. Uh, you know, I kill, well, see that one has mites up there. <laughs> I kill just about everything and then I finally got the hang of it. You just have to water it regularly. <laughs> turns out. <laughs> Systematically. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I always say about when people say the grass is always greener on the other side. That just means whoever's on the other side waters their grass. They're, water, they're taking care of you their plants. You got to water your own grass. Yeah. Just because you're over there on their side doesn't mean you're going to water it for them. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> so, you guys, when did you meet the two of you? It was the spring of '99. <laughs> yeah, so it's <laughs> been 20 years. This year was our 20 year anniversary of meeting. Oh, of so. our first date, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was your first date? Uh, hard to say. I think it was in Shell Beach somewhere. Yeah, probably. One three seven Kuyama, to be exact. Yeah. But is yeah. that a house? Was that yeah, I lived there with my friend Gary Jackson and. Yeah. Jake was working at the Crack Crab, and I was working at the Crack Crab. We were and the first two employees of the Crack Crab. So, you were? Oh, uh, well, she, we were the maiden crew. Yes. Okay. But she <laughs> dumped the first big bucket, and I steamed the first big bucket. Oh, my god! In the history of that restaurant. So it has a very deep place in our hearts. For yeah, sure. totally. Did you, um, I was going to ask you something about, do you eat there still? Do you go over there ever? Uh, we do. Yeah. Not yeah. as much. Uh, the owner passed away about... Two months before the restaurant, or about six months before the restaurant opened. Oh. And he was a major mentor to us as far as just a leader in the restaurant and mm. just being him throughout his life. And so that was a loss. But we've maybe once every yeah, few sold, months um, now. Um, mm. Kathy, uh, the other owner, his wife, um, 
held on to it for a little while um, and just trying to find the right buyer. And they mm-hmm. sold to another restaurant group, same people that own AJ Spurs and Anderson PC. Yes, and all that. right. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff in the contract, I think, that keeps them fairly consistent with yeah. at least the quality of product they sell. But we so. still recommend mm-hmm. it and love it. And their king crab is the best ever. Oh, oh yeah. That's awesome. Mike yes. established that. But anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So you met in 99. Well, and backing up, I know, Brooke, you grew up in Colorado, at least for some part. Yeah, my family came to Cali in 85. So I was there for about seven years as a young child in the snow, just sitting on the other end of the bar when my dad was bartending. And yeah, it was Colorado has a lot of impression in my my youthful soul. What city were you? I was born in Montrose and I grew up in Durango. So it was kind of like one tourist trap to the next when we moved. We were in AG for about six months and then to Pismo. Yeah. uh, 86, I think so. And with your dad, what kind of a bar was he tending in? Um, well, he super high class <laughs> in oh, the maybe beginning it was. before I was born. No, okay. before I was born, like the total shoot him up, like gangster style, crazy old West kind of stories you hear coming out of his mouth that unfortunately are mostly true. You know, it's like, what you did? What? Um, and then when I was born, he started working at a place called the straighter for a while. That was a little bit classier, like white tablecloth. And I was making a joke because I thought (laughs) you told me he was working in kind of like a divey sort of spot. Initially. Yes, absolutely. But that's not the bar you were hanging out at as a kid. Mm, Well, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I can remember back that far, but probably in the, you know, in the stroller. That is at mom's side. Yes. Yes. I learned how to do the cherry stem trick when I was about five with your tongue. (laughs) Yeah. I couldn't execute it till about 25, but (laughs) (laughs) I did learn how as a young child, I could see as a kid making a meal out of the garnishes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And they, they used to have Cheetos and like Fritos and stuff back Mm -hmm. then hanging on the little clips. Yeah. Cheetos and Virgin Tequila Sunrise. That was yeah. wow. my Ricky. lunch. Been ordering cocktails since she was five. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> I always think of you as a Pismo person. I can't remember. I don't think we went to elementary school. Or we didn't go to um, junior high together, I don't think. Because you were no, Judkins. I was Judkins, okay. yes. I was Paulding. AGHS. And um, you were a cheerleader in 93. You were yeah, football, right. right? Yes. And that did was you back when they had two different... I didn't my freshman year, and oh, then okay. and then they changed it to one squad. Right. Was that a good experience for you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheerleading camp, and but then my senior year, I kind of turned a, a little path, and um, she was most spirited. I was. Oh, I believe voted this. captain actually my senior year, and I just decided it was me and Stacy Adcock, I believe. And I just decided I didn't want to do it. And I was over the pettiness of everybody. I was growing up. I was becoming an an adult in Mm -hmm. a way. And um, yeah, so I didn't want that. I didn't care about the blue, gold, white, gold, blue stripe versus... I was just like, I'll I'll wear my old uniform. I'm fine. (laughs) Sure. And they were so expensive. So, but yes, good experience. I mean, we, we won CIF in 95. So that was like out of this world you know our school was so big (laughs) that it's i mean you can get lost there really easily 2500 people right when we were there so in yeah 
and our class was like 650. So it was easy to not know things like that. And I'm so sorry. Well, we experience that now. A lot of our hosts and dishwashers um, all go to school together. Yeah. And some never even seen each other before. Are you talking high school? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like AG. Like they, and AG, I don't even think has that many anymore. No, I don't know. I don't know either. That's awesome that you employ high school kids. Yeah. Our, um, our dishwashers, uh, our part-time dishwashers and all of our host positions are part-time. Yeah, so homecoming was an issue. 16, <laughs> yeah, I bet it was. 16 to 18 are our demographic for those positions. Yeah. Uh, it'd be, and you'd be amazed at how incredibly intelligent most of them are. It's, yeah. You know, I always tell there them. There is hope. I always tell people. them, one day when you're my boss, please be really nice to me. Yeah, because they will be our boss. <laughs> yes, one day. They, they totally <laughs> will be the boss of us. Jacob, where did you grow up? Uh, a little bit of everywhere. So... Um, uh, my mom and dad split up when I was really young, so I was kind of bounced around a little bit, but I lived in every town from Los Alamos to Paso Robles. So, um, uh, every year, basically mom and I moved to a new town. She was kind of, uh, bouncing around a little bit. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was born in Santa Maria, mm-hmm. um, spent a, a few years there and, um, there's a few little neighborhoods from Los Alamos, Santa Maria to San Luis that are really close to my heart, um, but never really grew up in one town. Um, okay. I did spend most of my um, my longest stint in Slow, so I went to Laguna Middle School, okay. and then freshman year of high school went to Slow High. Okay, where'd you uh, graduate? So I graduated. Uh, so I left, got a little trouble when I was in high school. So mom mm. sent me to live with dad. Uh, so I spent two years <laughs> in Oregon, yeah. um, and then came back for my senior year. Okay, uh, for Slow High. So you got in trouble. Me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Were you a troublemaker guy? <laughs> um, yeah, at a certain point, you know, you just kind of follow your path. And when going from school to school, you just kind of fit in where you can. And most of the time, fitting in where you can is with other people who are having trouble fitting in, too. Yeah. So you just kind of latch on to um, other people who are lashing out in their own way. So, yeah. you know, anywhere or relate from, to you at all. And school wasn't my thing. I, you know, I just, I, I wasn't comfortable at school and, you know, starting a new school every year too, where it's every year you have to start totally. all over again and meet new people. Um, so it was never really that great of an experience for me. Um, so I didn't spend as much time there as I should have. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, understandable. And, you know, there's other paths to getting your diplomas and stuff. And I luckily got through all of that and didn't have too many issues um, but, uh, yeah, school was not, not my But favorite. then he went to culinary school and killed it. Right. Well, that's just it. Because he understood the language. Yeah. Well, and it's not the same thing necessarily, no. you know, it's not homework. The homework maybe, is there homework in culinary school? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that, that you do, but I mean, it's not like, you know, there's not math and English and stuff yeah. in culinary school. It's just foods of the Americas and stocks and sauces and, you know, things oh. like that and banquets and catering and, and the and, wines of France. And yeah. Like, oh. so. like that helped me too, because I was kind of getting into it as well and like one night he's like i have to draw a map of france and with all the varietals and everything and i was like what's a varietal (laughs) what's france you know (laughs) and so i drew that like by hand and we did it together so it was collaboration which i think is another great way to learn anything and then after that map i knew yeah and it's still in me it's part of my base coat of wine knowledge like yeah I know what Bordeaux has. I know what Burgundy has or grows, you yeah. know, and so that was a fun well, that's exercise. Part of us and that's general. still on our, you know, when it's time to set up the office, that map goes on the corkboard. The one that you drew. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And it's still extremely educational as far as basic layout of France. And it's just like this color coded, um, awesome hand drawn map 
uh, and it has you know all the different chateaus and it has this little and little Art oh, Valley and all this. Is uh, it to scale or completely accurate? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> uh, that wasn't the me, point. It got me 100 percent on my test, and I mean, I mean, everybody learns so differently. So the fact that you know she learns one way, I learn the other. We can divide and conquer and totally do all kinds of stuff together. So, but am I right that didn't you go to art school? For I a did. While? Where did you go? I went to the San Francisco Art Institute. And were you, was there a specific discipline you were kind of going for? I was for? a painting. You were? Painting major, yeah. I got very much into the printmaking department when I started making books. That was, cool. that was something I really related with. Like, oh my gosh, this book can help me figure out a painting or vice mm. versa. A painting can help me figure out a book. And mm. I just, I don't, the printmaking process, I'm by no means... I'm an expert at all, but it's so fun. You're like, okay, it's not just one. I can make a lot and I can change yeah. it as I go. And so, yeah, it was hard. I did accelerate it. It was so expensive. So, yeah. but you finished? I did. I got my right uh, BFA in, I think, 2003. I still, for some the reason, the timeline in San Francisco is different. I was going different. to culinary school while she was going to, to art school. So, yeah, but Jerry Garcia went there. There's, I mean, there's, endless like deep and corn and amazing painters went there so it was just very authentic and very nostalgic the building's to be really there. old Diego, one of diego rivera's murals is in that school oh my gosh it's beautiful and you can walk in there for free and walk, look at it yeah maybe i need to do that chestnut, i've walked past 1500 so 1500 or 1300 chestnut street north beach san francisco <laughs> yeah head there That's you can look awesome. at the students work they have open campus so yeah, and That's how did one. that, did that inform some of the stuff that came after that? Were you working in restaurants while you were in school? Uh, I did, yes, but I also was very devoted to school, 15 to 18 units on the bus an hour each way with my portfolio. Like, mm. it's like I would never do that now. I feel like, yeah. oh my God, I have to get on the bus. <laughs> so Ugh. much work. Ugh. Can't park in front. Like, I was popping the clutch on my micro bus. <laughs> For like a three month period, because I didn't want to take the bus anymore. I'm like, or, okay, I'll take this bus vehicle. instead. Yeah, right. <laughs> was our '66 Volkswagen bus, and that becomes famous later. That bus, right? Yeah, that's well, the one. Yeah. Well, the amount of times that I got into sticky situations, just mm. parking for school. I mean, Lombard Street in the middle of the day, if you can imagine the thousands of people driving down, and I got the bus stuck like about a foot away from a tree. And I'm just like, hey guys, can you help me? I need seven of you. Can you come push me? But there out was of this always week? somebody to help. There never Aww. wasn't a point. But there they, was a point oh, yeah. where somebody's looking out of their fifth story apartment yes. saying, hey, do you, do you need, need some me help? to move my car? Oh, <laughs> or like in the rain. It just, yeah. so that. That car is so special to us as a couple and to his family. Yeah. What do you mean to his family? Did it come from them? So my grandfather bought it brand new in 1966. Oh my God. Well, it had 23 miles on it. When you got it? it when his grandfather bought it. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. So they bought property in 65 in Idaho. And it was a, you know, he ended up building a cabin to 40 acres in Boise National Forest. So wow. they would go up there for summertime, come back to, uh, they were uh, Lompoc. Lompoc. Mm -hmm. My grandfather was military police uh, captain in Air Force. And uh, so Lompoc was a big part of my life as well. Um, but yeah, 66, they bought that. And that was their travel vehicle to go to Idaho and Lompoc to back every summer. Oh, that's a long way, actually. Yeah. In a bus. Yeah. Yeah. It is a long way. But yeah, it's been in my family since before I was. It's in mm -hmm. photo albums longer than my mom used to 
to she steal used to that pop car. the clutch too i mean it was the only <laughs> car that she could roll out of the driveway silently and start it without anybody knowing so 18 years old she was the one stealing that car in the middle of the night go hang out with their friends and stuff oh so, my gosh it's um, so special it's very special to have and 20 life. decembers ago because we're coming up on our 20th christmas Mm-hmm. it was parked in his uncle's backyard and it didn't run. It was kind of like a little play fort for the kids. Yeah. And we, we sat in the front seat and I said, one day we're going to drive this thing across the country. And I don't know when, but we're going to do it one day. Yeah. And two weeks before we moved to San Francisco, his cousin was selling it. And we're like, you can't sell it. Like, we're, no, we're buying it. And so we bought it. Before we moved to San Francisco, <laughs> very intelligent humans. But it was it was driving. We towed it on the U-Haul to the city because it still didn't run. Well, no, it, it, it ran. We just weren't going to drive it. Yeah, okay. drive it that far. So, anyways, we kept it in the city with us for twelve years. If you're going to have a car in San Francisco, that may as well be the one. I mean, that seems well, like the right it's, car. It's tough. Sometimes you get partway up a hill and you're like, if I get to the top and I can't do this, then you just stop halfway and you just turn back around. And try he, to find he was no way. stranger to tow trucks. We'll just yeah, put it that way. I bet. So that the reason I say that's the bus that becomes famous is you did drive it across the country. We did. So after living in San Francisco for 12 years, you know, two of it, two to three of it of school, very difficult times. But then we started working in the restaurants and making money and doing well and learning and succeeding and, you know, kind of reached a pinnacle like he was the executive chef of a restaurant i was a general manager of a restaurant and we were kind of at that point like whoa we've learned so much now it's time like what do we do and what we do is we quit our jobs quit all of the security give away all the salary all the bonuses all the insurance and basically put our stuff in storage and then go out on a four-month journey in our 66 microbus. Yeah. And we went back and forth. We knew we wanted to do the journey, but we we're just like, should we rent a van? Should we rent an RV? Should we just do it in a Honda? Like, what What should we do? And then somebody just looked at me and said, Brooke, you're never, ever going to be able to do it in the microbus ever again. Mm-hmm. You're going to be 60. You're going to be 50. You're going to be hurting. You're not going to want to do it. <laughs> it's Whatever small. It is. And I mean, we did however it. many years ago, we told ourselves that that was something we were going to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... We went out, we, like I said, put our stuff in storage. My brother watched our cat and we left for four months. We saw 28 states in 10,500 miles. And Jake drove for 10,200 of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, You just as needed. The only hundred, like the whatever, (laughs) one of the parts that I drove was on the Jersey Turnpike. We had just left Brooklyn. Mm. Oh no, Boston. We just left Boston. You're brave to drive. Boston <laughs> and I'm Boston looking was a, probably the the most uh, oh, a convoluted <laughs> little little city we've ever driven Scary. in. I mean it's just yeah. a little Almost city as worse like as one Rome. mile by one mile or something right and yeah um, no it was I I love driving Dri- I've been driving since I was seven years old I mean I've been I've been backing up trailers and stick shift ever I mean I've been shifting since I was could reach the shifter my dad would let me shift while I was driving so yeah. any kind of like driving challenge is incredible for me so well, then you had it for sure on that trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah it definitely was years of practice. He was yeah. a good, it was the bus's retirement party. Mm. He turned 50 that year, so. Wow, and where's the bus now? In our garage in okay, Grover. So you, I wanted to make sure you still have oh, it. Oh, yeah. we drove him to Lopez last Tuesday, yep. and mm. he gets to go on little short journeys, and uh, he doesn't like to His name is Nemo. I was going to say, he. Ha- it sounds like he's got a name. Yes. Well, he's orange and white. So he's two tone. Um, so our whole trip, we had a hashtag driving Nemo. Oh, 
on the back of our bus and we would be dri- we'd be driving down the interstate in upstate New York and somebody would tag us in a hashtag with a picture of our bus. So <laughs> so, you can still look up hashtag driving Nemo yeah. now and see a bunch of pictures. See from all the trip. pictures oh, that mostly that we took. But yeah, yeah. That's very cool. It was fun. It was a good time. You tasted a lot of fried chicken, I remember. Wasn't that one of your missions on the yes. trip? To explore American food in general. Yeah. You know, we stayed in Walmart parking lots mm-hmm. and penthouse suites in Boston and, yeah. you know, uh, there is a, quality there's suites a... or whatever, you know, like we did it. We camped, you know, on the edge of uh, lakes and we camped in campgrounds, random places all Bizarre over. Bizarre places. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, but eating American food. And we, we did woofing in two different locations. So. Yeah. Workers on our on our, on organic, organic farms. farms. Mm-hmm. Um, we did one little um, spot in Iowa, which is like a little garden, backyard garden like at home somebody's garden. home. Yeah, uh, and then this big micro or uh, biodynamic farm in upstate New York, um, where we stayed for like seven or nine days or something. It was a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really, I cool lost like ten pounds in one week. <clears throat> working on that, just farm. working, just picking. We apples did everything from and... hundreds of pounds of squash to <laughs> thousand yeah, pounds of apples great. to getting potatoes and tossing worms at chickens. And um, so that was American food to us as well. You know, Uh, we probably went through a drive-thru or two. So it was every extreme to the I love that you say probably. We probably went through. (laughs) You can own that. That's Um, okay. I don't even really remember which ones, honestly. No, but I mean, we ate at Denny's multiple times, you know. And to me, those are opposite ends of the spectrum. A biodynamic farm to, uh, to, to Denny's or McDonald's, you know, it's like, that's American food. Yeah, it's it is. anything and everything you want it to be. How do you ever define it? It's, it's, it's impossible. There are a lot of subways in this country. I'll put it that way. <laughs> there sure are. <laughs> there really are. I've eaten more than my share of subway yeah, sandwiches. Like South Dakota. Yeah. Right. Subway. Yeah, and they do have lettuce. You know, quote lettuce <laughs> shredded. It's spinach. there. Spinach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Well, I. That's definitely a thread of what I see with you is the American food thing. I mean, you may have done a map of France, but American <laughs> food seems to be your passion. Is that definitely. still true? Um, it is more and more now. Um, uh, my background is completely French um, hmm. as far as culinary school. A lot of my techniques and inspiration come from Italian cooking. Um, but I grew up eating microwave dinners, yeah. you know, and so our restaurant is an expression of our experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is the definition of American food. What you put on the table while in America is an expression of your experience. And that's what American food is. And it yeah. can come from anywhere. It could be Chinese food. It could be Japanese. I mean, if you look at the, some of the cookie cutter cuisines that we eat as Americans mm-hmm. and we're every Any race Chinese food and restaurant color. Yeah. in America is American food. They don't serve that in China. That's right. not food there. I've talked so. about that. I did a piece on burritos once where I, I could be absolutely wrong about this, but it <laughs> seems to me that burritos are consumed here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the um, super burrito was created at a restaurant in San Francisco. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, so that, I love that. I, that's a big part of the kinds of things I like to write about is the way we express um, and the way we eat here, uh, based on the American experience, is yeah. so fascinating. It is because in spaghetti Italy, and meatballs is yeah, another right. really great example. Like people are like, oh, it's Italian. Yeah, it's totally American. Yeah, one hundred percent. And hamburgers, which I think started in England, kind <laughs> of. 
we definitely have our own and pizza. I mean, we could go. But on when and on. other people come to our country from France or Germany, they want a hamburger. Yeah, you know. Well, they, I look at world fairs as a lot of defining yes. moments as far as yeah. hot dogs and hamburgers and you know things like that that define a lot of American food. But we serve fried chicken and yeah. meatloaf and bologna sandwiches. And fried chicken and, is a true American yes. thing. Well, we also serve ramen the, and fettuccine. Yeah. But right. you know, it's like those are. More coming more and more American now, mm-hmm. um, as far as you know, technique and, and ingredients are concerned. It know? doesn't seem inconsistent though. When I look at your menu, it all feels of a piece. It doesn't feel like it's you know, oh, why does he have Japanese inspired stuff and mm-hmm. you know, meatloaf on the same menu? It all feels totally consistent to me. Cool. Yeah, and that's what I love about our restaurant, and I think that that's what's new to everybody around here. It's like. Oh, I can have a 40 ounce of Miller High Life and a fried bologna sandwich, <laughs> but I can also have steak tartare and Spanish octopus and right. a $100 bottle of wine. Like, where am I? I'm wearing board shorts and that guy's wearing a, a tuxedo. You know? like, where I, like, Wait, so, tuxedo, has anyone ever come no, in? No, Maybe but, New Year's Eve. But, I can't yeah, remember. You know, but, you know, there's, you know, whether it's, you know, high school dances or whatever, mm-hmm. like people can get dressed up or they can get dressed down. And mm-hmm. um, I think that that to me sometimes seems not approachable to everyone yeah um because it's a formula they haven't seen yet yeah. um and that's the thing same similar to grover beach yeah we're doing something that's never been done in grover beach and i mean that in just a style of restaurant yeah. with all the restaurant groups and all the great chefs and everything that exists uh in this fight in the san luis Obispo county um nobody's ever tried what we've done yeah and we're going to there, hit, there yes. in that town. Right, right. Nobody is. There, there's no, you know, Rooster Creeks and there's no Fig Mountains and there's no, there's none of that, you know. Um, so uh, we're doing something in our little town that's never been done before. So we're bridging a gap. Yeah. And know? how, how hard has that been? Or has it just been a breeze? Hard. Yeah. Very hard. I mean, I will flash back to before we opened and my best friend, Becca Jess, who you yeah. know. Um, who's a brilliant woman, mm-hmm. uh, telling us you guys have to have your name on your sign. And we're like, no, we don't. People are going to know how to get here. And we came from San Francisco where Nopa had Nopa like five inches by maybe a foot. That was the, that was their sign. And they're lining up. Yeah. But people yeah. still found them because there's a different kind of networking going yes. on in the city than there was in Grover Beach and San Luis Obispo County. 90% of it's popular. And we learned that. Yeah. We learned yes. that right away that. We need to have a sign with our name on it. We yeah. need to light that sign up. We need to have an open sign. We need to make sure we have this. And, you know, that was a, one of the rude awakenings because we came from a culture that we were used to living in for a decade. We worked for So for we greatness. just had to backtrack a little. Yeah, yeah Nopa, RN74. Was that the last place that you uh, were? No, I was the executive chef at a little restaurant called Pacino, okay. um, which was an anomaly in itself. It's this awesome little Italian restaurant in the dog mm. patch. Um, but everywhere we worked, there were Michelin starred restaurants or the busiest, yeah. you know, you know, newest Mexican concept. And um, no Polito. Yeah. yeah. I was um, going to shout right. out. <laughs> so that was yeah. kind of a, a at, at a benefit to um, our product that we make and serve and front of the house, back of the house uh, was incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as running and operating our business financially, it was detrimental. Yeah. Um, we were know. used to spending other people's money that had different budgets than us to, to make something 
um, fit within our own beautiful. Perception. Yeah, right, right. Well, Versus they also the perception have... of the culture here, yes. it's different. You know, I don't care paying a little more, like five dollars more for a plate of food that I know the fisherman or I know the ranch or I know the farmer, mm. you know, that's already inbred in my brain. It's there. I live that life. Yeah. But for a lot of people who haven't lived that life, they don't get it. They it's want a value it to be, yeah, they want it to be 17, not value. 24. That's okay. So that's an interesting difference. Perception of value. Yeah. So what does that mean? Exactly. Uh, some, some, everybody's perception of value is different. Um, you can, uh, somebody would prefer me to take something out of a bag already made put it on a plate and sell it to you for mm -hmm. less rather than make it myself, make it homemade, locally source it, put that same amount of food on a plate and charge you more for it. People, some people don't really care. Yeah. They would rather just pay less. They just want fuel. But they also yeah. don't probably understand or put themselves in a position to know that you just got charged for something that somebody just took out of a bag. Right. Why wouldn't you just go to Vaughn's, buy a bag of something and put it on a plate yourself. So that's what I don't think that people know is there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes in restaurants that that raise your perception of value, but yes. the quality of product and what you're getting is a trick. I think that that could that was the first thing I thought was that could be part of it is there are restaurants that are getting things out of a bag, but they're presenting it artfully and it fools the consumer into equating it with what you do. Yeah. Very true. But I think, long story short, we worked for restaurants that had lines out the door. Yeah. And that is a problem we don't have. Mm. So we're learning how to operate a restaurant that can do 30 covers in a night mm -hmm. and then on the weekends do 180. Yeah. You know, so that's something we were, we didn't, we didn't, we weren't aware of. So we spent the first couple of years losing lots of money. Yeah. Um, and that was just our own. Thing where we're and just we saying, tried lunch and we I tried remember, to yeah. not be open on a night. You know, we, we had to push and pull. We had to figure out, like Jake says, what Grover Beach and San Luis Obispo County want out of a restaurant versus what we. And so that balance is very difficult because we want to stay true to what you want to do. But at the same time, you have to wiggle a little. You have yeah. to. Well, if you want to stay and survive. Little. Yes, it's Most true. people would say, I'm not willing to compromise what I want to serve. So we're just done. Yeah. And you that know, happens. And at one point, we were over $70,000 behind. Yeah. And that would be it for some people. That would be it. They're, that's it. We can't go any further. Yeah. Why did you um, continue? Well, <laughs> no, I don't, um, mean, I don't yeah. mean it like that. I just, that would be so hard for me. Yeah. Um, the financial part has been the toughest. Um, and, you know, we've had lots of money and we've had very little. What we do have is each other. Yeah. And the two of us together are unstoppable at anything. Mm -hmm. um, and to um, get to that point, and then recover from it has been a tremendous feat. So yeah. um, we stopped being confusing to the public. We started mm -hmm. doing a happy hour from four to five. We started, you know. Um, Opening for dinner every night of the week at four o'clock. So yeah. we're there every day. What, had, yeah. what we Except had done for wrong holidays. had been confusing people with our hours. You know, um, we were open for lunch Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Monday. We did brunch on Sunday, and we're closed on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. You got your notebook out because I'm trying to give you. Um, so, <laughs> I'm trying to help you, you mean out. you didn't remember? You mean you um, didn't keep that in your archive? So we heard a lot, like, "Oh, you know, we tried to come, but you were closed. We tried yeah. to come, but you were closed." That's we still a hear that thing now. To hear too. I know, and it's we it's still terrible. hear it. Yeah. So, um, you know, so now we do dinner seven nights a week and brunch on the weekends. Yeah. And it's been the best thing we ever did. So you've been happy with that schedule. Yeah. You're just consistently there for dinner. 
and yes. brunch. Yeah. Yeah. And, and brunch on the weekend. Brunch has been our most successful day, hmm. um, so we can't complain about that. And we do more in our one of our slowest nights of the week than we did in four lunches. Hmm. So you can see where you trade, you know, two grand for eight grand. Yeah. It, it's a big change. You always, no matter how much money you're bringing in, you always spend a lot more. Yeah. So it's just a matter of, of, of learning more. We, de- we, we value feedback. And sometimes the feedback is hard, but at the end, we always have to get something out of it. No matter if it's really positive or really negative or right in the middle, listen and try to figure it out. And we've done surveys with the public and Facebook. we learn, we see, I would rather come for dinner. I would rather come for dinner. I would rather come for dinner, but I have date night on Wednesday and you're not there. Just Mm. little things like that. Opening on Wednesday. Lots of people never able to come on Wednesday because they're off on Wednesday. Yeah. And not everybody works Monday through Friday, 95, even though this community is true working class as yes. far as Grover Beach and Oceano goes. But so you do feel that kind of ebb and flow of that working class community. Mm. But I'm off today. This is my day off. Yeah. And it's Tuesday. Right. So. I, that takes a lot of humility to, to ask what do you people want? What do you want? I mean, to be kind of like, you know, there's porous, there's an exchange and there. And choose your huge. next words wisely. <laughs> yes, right. I'm thinking of a ticket I saw one time that you posted um, on Instagram. It was so funny. It was like, I want Egg whites only, extra Bernays. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Egg whites only, extra Bernays. I thought it was something like, I want the vegan option, but I want, you know, egg yolks or yeah. something like it was. But I mean, it may as well be. That is so funny. People are, they want what they want. And, you know, I'd say breakfast, burgers, and pizza. Yeah. That's modification. There's not one person sitting next to one person that's going to say, well, this is how I prefer my eggs cooked. Yeah. Everybody at the table is going to be different. So, you know, uh, it's something you have to, you have to ex- um, accept. And we do more and more. So imagine how different everyone's path is from childhood to adulthood mm-hmm. and what their preferences are. It's impossible to find consistent. Did your mom cook every night? Was it chicken breast on salad? Was it, you know, so how could you hot hate? pockets? and? Well, yeah. this is the American experience also. Because yeah. if you live in, I mean, just speak to Italy. If you live there, you are generally having pasta one meal a day. I mean, statistically, they're having mm-hmm. at least one pasta dish. Um, and the rest is kind of in this codified, you know, you know, in a, this basically like a manual of what you can cook. Um, they don't have, they don't eat something like a burger unless maybe once per year. And it's this novelty, like, look, yeah. we're acting American, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, the fact that we choose is both, I think kind of scary. Having a lot of choice is scary, Very. but it also makes each of us so, so different. There's so many different ways to be different. Here. Yes. yes. Yeah. And some people are very open and some people are very closed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we say all the time, the restaurant business, what we juggle the most is human beings and mother nature. Mm-hmm. And those are two of the most inconsistent things on the planet. So that's probably one of the most difficult parts of our jobs is those two things in particular. They are the most inconsistent <laughs> things on the planet. I like what you said about being together and how that makes you unstoppable. And I just think the nature of partnership um, marriage in this case, partnership is so key. I mean, I feel that my husband and I are not in the restaurant industry, but we have a partnership. We've been together a really long time too. And, um, 
so, but we don't work together. So what's that like? I mean, you go home together at night. Well, so we live at, um, three, four, six West Grand Avenue. Wait, don't get you. Our restaurant is <laughs> yeah. at, our yeah. restaurant is at, uh, two nine five and the bakery is two, three, six. So yeah. we live less than a block away from both of our businesses at this point. But, um, mm. we are very, very close at this point. Um, we, we have simultaneous texting. Hmm. Like they will come in at the same moment. Where in we time. just all, both like send a text and it just boop, both comes up. So oh, I mean, it's we're like, like you twins. mean the same things. You say, no, you're saying the same thing. Not at necessarily the same, the same thing, but very very similar. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, we didn't. We spent our whole careers up until now working ungodly hours at some of the best restaurants in San Francisco separately. Yeah. So we worked together for a year or two at the Crack Crab when we first met. But other than that, we have not worked together. But we've been. We do everything that we can together in our spare time. Hmm. Uh, then when we left our jobs, it became um, very, very apparent that we were going to be spending a lot of time together. So, But that four-month journey that we did, sitting in side by side, there's never one second apart. You know, I mean, even when you're camping, you're sharing a shower. You know, yes. it's like there isn't even a five-minute shower, you know, <laughs> or you're alone. Um, and so that was kind of our... Our trial period. We didn't have anything to win or lose. So we were on this four month trip learning how to be next to each other nonstop mm-hmm. every day, all day. And but as we far had our as work where we goes, were talking, and then most <laughs> of the time we never stopped talking. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty incredible that, you know, 20 years down the road that we can have that. But working together. Do we not get in tiffs across the line? Yes. Is yeah. it inappropriate sometimes? Yes. But. <laughs> You know, we both come from excellence and, you know, he'll say, we're going to do it this way. And I'm like, no, we're not going to do it that way. So there are moments where just like, we, we have that little butthead moment, but we get over it. We move on and we usually concede to one or the other. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, um, one of us is probably more right than the other. And we both have that ability to say, all right. But that is why we started again. That is why we started with a third partner also was to that's right. be, that's right. have the litigator, you know, have that person who's going to, like, no, no, we're not doing blue. We're doing red mm-hmm. or we're going to do whitewash. Is he still in the picture? He's not. Okay. Um, he has a little boy, Henry, oh. who's just turned two. Wow. Oh, he moved so, back to the city. Yeah. Uh, he moved back. That's, that's what yeah. I thought. Yeah. But for that first year, year and a half, you know, 18 to 24 months, we needed, that was what we needed. We needed somebody to help get through those financial moments where maybe him and I, Jake and I didn't have as much experience with those numbers. That's why he was part of our, and I always learned, you know, have that third person as a tiebreaker mm, yeah. because they're going to help. And so maybe in the beginning, getting all everything set up and all the buttons in, in and all the time cards in place and all that stuff. Just, but we realized that though person. that it was initially our, it's ultimately our vision. Um, And it was, I think, I think it was difficult for him to be a part of that in some ways where it's just like, we're always bouncing. We live together. We're here together. And we have this like standard that's way in a different place. Not necessarily better or worse, but just different. There are tons of things that he was suggesting in the beginning that we were like, oh no, wait, we don't need to do that. (laughs) And what was he right? That we do now. Yeah. Like happy hour. But it has to do with understanding the central coast. People don't want fish and chips all the time. They just want to know that it's there. <laughs> it's you security blanket. Salt and pepper on the table and some free bread. Yeah. And then you can have me. And we don't have any of those things. 
You know, it's funny. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just did a story on free bread at restaurants uh-huh. and looked at three different ones. And it's funny. It's this funny. I actually used your word uh, when I interviewed you for 805 Living. I asked you about the popcorn. Oh, okay. And I'll never forget. you. Say, it was before you even opened. I think it was like wow. a month before you opened and you gave me time, which is crazy. <laughs> but you were talking about the popcorn and saying that it's a gesture. And I always liked that. And so I kind of, instead of thinking it, of it as free bread, I've been thinking about it as a gesture. You yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And the places I interviewed, they do, they do it really well. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, the popcorn. Does that still happen? Sometimes. Sometimes. Well, now yeah. that we have the bakery, we have a lot of day-old bread that we yes. turn into crostinis. Yeah. Uh, so now people get free bread, uh, but it's just in crostini form. Love so. it. Yeah. It's just a little crunchy cracker. And one well, lady... Our other business. This is so cute. Yes, one lady the other day, she looked at me, she said, how many slices of bread is that? And I'm like, oh, it's probably like half a slice. You know, because one crostini is what, a sixteenth of an inch? It's yeah. so small. She's like, oh, I thought they like shrunk in the oven and I was eating like seven <laughs> slices of bread. And I said, no, you're probably only eating like one slice of bread. You know, oh, if you eat seven crostinis. Yeah. But you're gonna she be was okay. so worried. I that's so funny. You put it in the shrunkenator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's cute. Eating shrunken bread. But every now and then we'll, we'll pop popcorn. Yeah, yeah. If, if we're low on crostinis, or I mean, the bakery sells them over there too. So maybe New Year's sell Eve them over there, then give them away. But um, Anson, truffles we on use it. Anton Mills popcorn. So that's right. If we do Anson. serve popcorn, it's organic, grown by a small Heirloom. family in in North uh, Carolina, North Carolina, mm-hmm. or South Carolina. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, the gestures there, but we charge for bread. Three dollars yeah. well, for a mini also... loaf. We do grilled bread. We do freshly sliced uh, bread, and it's something that. We're here getting less flack about as time goes Your on. bread is a thing, though. I mean, that <laughs> is, um, that's a huge part of your identity is that uh, Grover Beach sourdough, and which is so cool. And it's a 24-hour process. Yeah. So that's a day yeah. of electricity, lights, refrigeration, human beings handling it with care and showing it respect mm-hmm. and having it come out of the oven, mm-hmm. looking the way that it does, like a perfect little I mean, it's just a quintessential loaf of bread. When I look at it, I'm just like, wow, it's so cute. But I love you. That's such a, I, before I run out of time to say it, I think that what you're doing is so, I love people who take risks. And I think that what you're doing is a winner. It's just one that you got to hang on for. The fact that, um, I mean, easy for me to say, right? I was just saying, wait, if I were 70,000 behind, I would be super scared. Uh, but I, I love that you saw potential to do this native yeast, Grover Beach sourdough, is really smart. It's just so clever to do that, and it's so real and authentic. Um, and then the fact that you came home to Grover Beach has always been, I mean, because I'm a local, it like pulls at my heartstrings. The fact that you came home when you could have just spun off and done, you know, incredibly wherever you landed. There's, I mean, Brian Collins did that. Um, Ricky Odbert did that. There's some people who really, I don't know. It feels important to me that you saw, you know, um, significant enough to come back here and start something that's been really hard. Yeah. But in my opinion, a hundred percent worthwhile. And all of those people are taking risks and doing something yeah. that who would have known yeah. that this could be a possible thing in this little town. And that's the thing is, 
Um, you know, I think these places would do great in cities as well. I think if we took the spoon trade, we could plant it in any city. I and think I think so. that we would do wonderfully. The biggest challenge is doing it where we're doing it. And I think that, you know, Brian and Ricky needed that same challenge as well. And it was something that um, um, uh, we're all very proud of to have very similar philosophies, but completely different styles. Yeah, that's true. You know, and and completely connected. I mean, Brian graduated a year before Jake. Harmony and Brian are our dear friends. I adore she was them. In their wedding. And, I was there. Um, I know when Emma was. I mean, it's just amazing. And Ricky and, Ricky Ricky and I had worked, worked at different at places throughout San Francisco. Oh, you worked at Spruce. Yeah, I worked there for a couple of years. He oh. helped them get their Michelin star. Um, Bragging after, wife. Uh, oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize you both worked there. Um, so yeah, different times, and uh, we have you know a lot of mutual friends that we crossed paths but never met, um, and then you know became friends as he was moving back, and he knew our other partner Patrick. Patrick. They yes. went to high school together, so they were a couple of years younger than us. Um, so we're, it's just cool that it comes full circle from the Bay to you know, and it's not just about. Grover Beach or the Central Coast. It's about California. Yeah. It's about the Bay Area. It's about the world. It's about everywhere that well, it's we about can culture. connect. Yes, and 100%. the culture that we're used to. And I just met uh, Chef Libri, the new chef at Thomas Hill Organics, for the oh, first time. Oh. And he's like coming from LA, and he's got LA experience, and he's yeah. got you know other countries where he's lived and and born in and cooked at. And um, the culture there is very similar to that of big cities as well, where. We're collaborating, we're mm -hmm. communicating together. And I feel this thing about the Central Coast where it seems to be more competitive. And it's like a lot of the chefs were just like staying in their kitchens and like not going to other restaurants or mm -hmm. trying other things. And it's like, you know, that culture is what I think a lot of us are trying to shift is yeah. let's talk to each other, let's go hang out, let's meet, let's be collaborative. There's and, enough for everybody. And you can be symbiotic too, where, you know. Uh, and let's vent about credit card fees yeah. too at the same time. Like, <laughs> yeah, why not? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's one of those it, things. Um, co celebrate. Just, um, <laughs> yeah. Because Commiserating is something that can be a big problem in the yeah. restaurant business where a lot of people uh, co-celebrate you know, we, when we when we <laughs> hang out awesome. with Harmony and Brian it's like um, we find ourselves a lot of times just kind of focusing on the negative and all the things 95% of it with both of those restaurants is crazy positive yeah so but good. it's crazy that that 1% or that 2% of people can ruin it Humans have a negativity you know? bias because we're, we need to identify the thing that's going to kill us, you know, based on how we used to be with predators and hunting and gathering. Yeah, yeah. That's a natural thing to yeah. find the negative and worry over it because we're afraid it could kill us, you know. So co-celebrate, co not co-miserate. Yeah, I that's love it. Co and that's, again, trying to change the culture and being more, like, positive and encouraging and, yeah. and thoughtful and taking our blinders off. And, you know, I think that um, has to do that with sourcing food and creating food. But um, we only got each other. Yeah. And in the restaurant business, we're the only ones that really know what we're going through. And mm -hmm. so it's nice to have those people on your side. For sure, for sure. Okay, before we go, I have to ask you about your fried chicken. It's just, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> I have to. It's so good. It's so crunchy and crispy, but it doesn't, it's not bland. Because I think a lot of, I think a lot of fried chicken is really crispy, but then you get in there and it's like, there's nothing there. So can you tell me just basically how you get it to taste so Sure, uh, it's very simple. Okay. Um, um, we brine the chicken first. So we butcher the chicken. Um, all Mary's the, organic chicken. Yeah. So we start with really good quality mm -hmm. chicken. Um, and then brines in a 5% brine. So 20 cups of water to one cup of salt. Okay. 
um, we obviously don't get make, too detailed. Well, yeah, don't I mean, don't give us the well, recipe. Five percent. You got Thanksgiving coming up. Just do a five percent brine. <laughs> it's gonna work perfect. So, okay, that's uh, good. The timing is obviously what makes a big difference too. Uh, but once it's done in the brine, it comes out, gets dried off, and then um, a flour mixture. So yeah. without like butter and buttermilk, you're still doing flour seasoning and um, baking powder. Yeah. So that's a flour mixture, and it goes flour, buttermilk, flour, and then we fry it. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. We went to um, Prices in Nashville. Yeah. We went to Prince's in North Carolina. We went to Gus's in Memphis. Those were the three heavy hitters. Hattie B's in Nashville as well. Damn good, too. Um, and they all had a little bit different spin. Mm-hmm. And if you want to read my review of those four places, you can at drivingnemo.com. Right, WordPress. Right. Um, but ours is our spin. Yeah. And we finish it with local honey that we get from a, yeah, the honey. We is know key. our beekeeper. He brings it to us directly from Who the bee. Jeremy Rose of California Bee Company. Okay. And we love him. And he has his bees all around the county and all throughout the Central Valley. So he's got a little bit of everything going on. But another symbiotic relationship where he has a lot of runoff yeah. and excess honey that's not this pristine stuff you see in the yes, jar. Yes, right. We buy 60 pound buckets of this honey and that's what we use to heat up and steep with flavorings and we use that to to go over the honey so not only are we getting a great price for honey which can be nine to fifteen dollars a pound right. um we are using something that he can't necessarily get rid of on a regular basis i love that buying the seconds or the stuff that yeah. you know is not pristinely beautiful kind of we do that with that. apples and tomatoes yes. and everything like that and not only does it help us save money but it helps the farmer helps because everybody else is like i want the perfect bell pepper that doesn't have any twists in it or you know, like, it <laughs> right. makes it easier to peel you know and it keeps so. that organic matter out of the landfill which i yeah. mean that's huge that's carbon dioxide right so um i'm gonna guess that it would be fried chicken but what would your last meal be Happy day. It's your last meal. You're just trying to cap it all off. I would have corned beef hash and eggs uh, with sourdough toast over medium and a cup of coffee. <laughs> that just rolls off your tongue. I love it. <laughs> and who's going to make it? You? Uh, no, probably Little Bits or um, uh, any, any any kind of greasy spoon diner. I don't care. Place, even even if they were like, the, you know, the <laughs> corned beef that comes out of the can, like dog yeah. food. There's something about it that... <laughs> You know, like I said, I grew up eating terrible things, but yeah. corned beef fashion eggs is definitely... I don't... I honestly yeah. have... I was been talking about this a lot. I don't know what mine is, but two people in the restaurant lately have said that our grilled cheese and tomato soup would be their last meal. That's a good last meal. It's very comforting, um, but mine probably would be something like fried chicken or just something gluttonous. Yeah. But if I had to pick one forever, uh, it used to be grilled broccoli with lemon and anchovy from, from Nopa. Nopa. But Jake has been making me some pretty badass French omelets. So I think that one has a good amount of protein. (laughs) Totally. So French omelet with sautéed mushrooms on top. That sounds awesome. With a glass of sherry, of course. (laughs) I know. know, Have you ever read, um, oh, I'm going to forget her name, Elizabeth Mitchell, I think that she's a food writer from the fifties. Oh, her, cool. her final meal would have been an omelet with nice. a glass of wine. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Are. Great. <laughs> Thank you guys for sharing so much. You have yeah, such an interesting experience and sharing. I'm sure. I'm sure we could sit here for another hour. Yeah. Well, maybe <laughs> next time. Yeah, Thank right you, on. Jamie. Yes. Appreciate yeah, it. My pleasure. Consumed is produced by me, Jamie Lewis and edited by Chris Lambert. Thanks again for listening to this podcast and be sure to support the good folks who join me each episode. To learn more about any of my guests, 
visit letsgetconsumed.com. Until next time, I'm Jamie Lewis.